steal, and Puss with the chain. And St. John's takes down number three, Villanova. A signature win for Mike Anderson. Welcome to the Seeing Red Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Seeing Red Podcast. My name is Troy Moriello, and I am your host, bringing you up to date and up to speed on all things St. John's basketball. Uh, right off the top, just want to apologize. My apologies. This show is going to come out hopefully on Thursday afternoon. I'm recording it uh, Thursday morning. Um, you know, I was not home for the game. I was not home watching the game. I was out uh, with a couple of friends watching the game. Didn't get home until later at night uh, and, and just would rather have recorded it on Thursday morning than Wednesday night. So my apologies for not having this out right after the game. Uh, but hopefully you're still able to enjoy it either Thursday on your you know commute home from work or at some point on Friday. I know that we have a couple of, of days before our next game. So hopefully you're able to uh, enjoy this St. John's and DePaul recap episode. You know, one of the... I guess bad things or negative things about kind of getting back to relative normalcy in the world. And I understand saying normalcy in the world feels a little bit weird with where we're at with COVID right now and how St. John's was on almost a three week COVID pause. Uh, But, you know, getting back to being able to see people and do things um, is that I'm not home watching every single game. You know, last, last season I was pretty much home for every single game. And if I didn't have work, uh, I was able to do a recap right after the game. You know, this year I'll be going to some games. I'll be seeing some friends so you know the recaps might be coming out a little bit later than they were or than you might be used to but uh, I will still try to have a recap up for at least uh, once a week if not both games um, during the week but today we're going to recap the St. John's win over to Paul going to be joined by CT in a little bit uh, to talk about the 89 to 84 win for the Red Storm over to Paul St. John's is now nine and three Overall, they avenge a really bad loss to Pittsburgh about three weeks ago. That was their last game on December 18th. Uh, they come back and they are now 1-0 in the conference uh, for the first time in five years, actually. They win their conference oper- opener. Uh, they get off to a good start in the con- in the conference. And now we'll see if they're able to build off of that uh, over the weekend against Providence. But my takeaway from this game, you know, was it the prettiest game of basketball that you're going to see? No. Was it the cleanest game of basketball that you're going to see St. John's play? No. You know, was it really the most inspiring performance that you're going to see St. John's play? No. But at the end of the day, St. John's took care of business and they got the win. And I think after having such a long layoff, going through the holidays, not being able to really practice as a team much at all. I don't even know if they did get a practice in as a full team, uh, being down to really only playing eight guys because we don't know what was going on with Steph Smith, who was available, but they only play eight guys. Um, and, you know, uh, Nyway only plays about eight minutes as well. So, you know, being kind of shorthanded as well. Playing a Big East team, a Big East team in DePaul. I know DePaul's looked at as going to be one of the bottom teams in the conference. They're 0-3 in the conference already. But taking on a team in DePaul, a Big East team, and getting a win, by any means necessary, they got the win. And maybe I'm just happy to see St. John's basketball again after a three-week layoff, but I really have not a whole lot of negatives to take away from this game. And there are some negatives, and we're going to get to them for sure. But... Just taking care of business and getting this win, I think, was so important for the context of this season for St. John's. You know, when you look at how much of a dogfight the Big East is going to be this season, you kind of need to really take care of business against these teams that you're better than at home. 
And St. John's is better than DePaul. I think that that's, you know, not a hot take. You know, from a talent perspective, from an expectations perspective, from everything, they're a better team than DePaul. They needed to take care of business in this game. You know, given the starts, you know, and I know that this doesn't really matter, but the starts that we've seen in Big East play over the years, you know, the 1-5s the and the 0-11s and the 1-4s, you know, we've seen these horrible, horrible Big East starts over the years. It was very, very important to get out of the gate and take care of business against a DePaul team that you're better than. And now you set yourself up where you say, okay, let's get one of the next two against UCon- against Providence and against UConn, and then we'll feel pretty good about ourselves being 2-1. But when the Big East is as strong as it is this season, you know, with Villanova, Providence, Xavier, Seton Hall, all ranked, UConn, Creighton kind of right around the, the top 25. I know Creighton just got smoked last night. You know, that's that's six, seven teams right around the top 25. Marquette looked really good the other night. You're going to have to take care of business against the DePauls and against the Georgetowns and against the uh, the Butlers as well, especially at home. You know, you're going to need to go four and two, maybe even five and one against those three teams if you're going to build up, you know, 11, 12, 13 wins in the conference. You know, and I know that there's a debate over how many conference wins do you need uh, to get into the NCAA tournament. For me, if I want to feel confident, I want at least 12, maybe even 13. If I if I want to feel completely confident that they won't be on the bubble going into the Big East tournament. You know, to where the Big East tournament is sort of just icing on the cake, you know? I think it's about 12 or 13 wins to be to feel totally safe. You know, we'll see how the bubble shakes out. But I don't want to be on the bubble going into Big East play. And if you're going to do that, you know, you got to get five, uh, four or five wins against kind of the bottom feeders of the Big East, which is what we think DePaul will be uh, this season. So how is the game won for St. John's? What's the story? I think the it's fairly obvious, right? Julian Champagny is a grown man. Julian Champagny missed playing basketball. Julian Champagny is going to make a lot of money playing basketball one year from now because Julian Champagny is a bona fide NBA prospect. And I think he showed it tonight. He went absolutely off career high 34 points, career high 16 rebounds. He had three blocks as well. Shot 12 of 22 from the field, including 4 of 7 from three-point range. And how many of those three-pointers were tough shots, too? How many of those 12 field goals were tough shots, too? Just a real gritty, tough performance from Julian Champagny. Goes for, like I said, a career-high 34. Hit some big baskets for them down the stretch when it looked like this game could kind of go either way. Helped put it away for the Red Storm. I think the only thing that he wasn't great at tonight was on the free throw line. He went 6 of 10, which, you know, for him is is not a good night from the line. Obviously, he struggled with free throws this season. But, you know, when you looked at him at almost a 90% free throw shooter last season to only go 6 of 10, uh, you know, that's, that's a little bit concerning, I guess. But that does not at all wipe away the incredible performance that he had. Like I said, absolutely put the team on his back. And listen... You're not going to get that type of, you know, virtuoso performance from Julian Champagny every single night where he goes for 34 and 16, right? But if he is that efficient and if he is is that, you know, dominant or, or anywhere near that dominant for you on a night by night basis, which is kind of what we've seen from him. Like that's not a big ask. If you look at Julian Champagny's last, you know, year plus of college basketball since the start of last season, he's been pretty consistent and he's been pretty consistently good or or if not great and if he can just continue to do that for St. John's I think that that you know opens up the sky for this team that that really makes this team makes it easier for this team to get their goals done to achieve their goals 
That's where it starts, let's be honest. It starts and it ends with Julian Champagny. You know, you can talk about how much production you get out of the transfers. You can talk about how much production you get out of the freshmen. If Julian Champagny, if Posh Alexander, if Dylan Adewusu are, are on their games, this is going to be a tough team to beat. Julian and Posh are two of the top 10 players in this conference. Dylan Adewusu has clearly stepped up into being their third best player on this team. If those three guys can produce the way that you think that they, they are capable of producing every single night, if those guys can just be consistent every single night, are those guys going to give you almost 60 points combined every single night? No. But if they can play within the game, and if they can consistently be th- your three best players every single night, this team's going to go far. Anytime that you have two of the best players in the conference on the court for you at the same at the same time, excuse me, at the same time, you're going to be a good team. And you're going to have a chance to win games. So, I think that's the story. You know, Julian Champagny took over this game. It was one of the best performances I've seen uh, from a St. John's player in my time watching the team. He was absolutely light, lights out. Um, you know, kind of reminded me of, of a little bit of a Shimori Pons type performance where he was just kind of unconscious. You know, there, there's there's been a few guys in my history of watching St. John's uh, where it just feels like every single time that they shoot the ball, it can go in. And Julian Champagne is absolutely one of them. Uh, he's been, you know, he's been getting on these hot streaks this season where it just feels like he can't miss. Uh, and like I said, he's a bona fide NBA prospect. Uh, I think he's going to be a first round pick, if not a lottery pick. If he keeps up this level of play, he might be a top 10 pick for all we know. Uh, guy's an absolute stud. And, you know, I think it is kind of reassuring as well to see there was really no rust from him at all. Came out of the gate looking good and basically absolutely dominated. Played 35 minutes. I know that he said he had no um, COVID symptoms, but still not being able to play a basketball game for him for almost a month. I think, you know, what was his, his last game before um, before Pittsburgh was, was what, the, the 12th, I think? So that's, you know, almost a full month with no, no basketball games for Julian Champagne. Plays 35 minutes, scores 34 points, and grabs 16 rebounds, uh, which was the most for a St. John's player since D'Angelo Harrison had 17. That's an incredible game for him. So that's good to see there was no real rust. Um, and I, I didn't really notice a whole lot of rust on St. John's part, really, for the entirety of the game. I mean, on the defensive end, obviously, you don't want, you know, DePaul in the second half at one point was shooting 66% from the field. Uh, They allowed him to shoot almost 40% from three-point range. They gave up 84 points. It was not a good defensive performance again. And we're going to get into that more uh, with with CT, I would imagine. It was not a very good defensive performance, giving up 84 points, including 49 in the the second half. But, you know, in terms of, of, of looking... Uh, you know, rusty or lethargic or anything like that. I didn't really see any of that. I didn't think that St. John's really ran out of gas at any point in this game. Uh, like I said, they they had a couple guys, Posh, Julian, and, and uh, Aaron Wheeler, or four players actually, and Dylan Adewusu, all played over 30 minutes. No one really looked like they were... T- they were too out of gas or anything like that. So that's a good sign that they were that, you know, hopefully that they've gotten past this, you know, outbreak and now they're able to to uh, play the rest of their season relatively normal now. And, you know, hopefully it hasn't had any sort of lasting effects on anyone. But uh, who else stepped up tonight? You know, like I mentioned, the the, the big three for St. John's, Posh Alexander, Dylan Adewusu, uh, all three of them were phenomenal. 
Dylan Adewusu, 17 points, uh, hit some timely baskets, had eight assists again. He's he's quickly becoming the best passer on this team, if he's not already the best passer on this team, uh, and hit that really clutch three, shot six of 13 from the field, including two of four from three-point range. And like I mentioned, hit that really big three uh, to really ice the game away, to put the dagger in DePaul down the stretch. Uh, whether or not it was a good shot, you can debate that, but he did hit it. And his confidence just con- continues to grow. Uh, he continues to be someone who makes the right decisions. Um, had three turnovers in this game, but like I said, the eight assists. He's really become the best, you know, passer and and one of the best playmakers on this team. To where when the ball's in his hands, you know, you know that you're probably going to get a pretty good shot up. And that's you know something that's really big for a kid who came out of high school not really being you know very highly recruited whatsoever. Uh, Posh Alexander, 16 points for him. I thought at some points was a little bit out of control. Uh, first of all, the, the layups for St. John's, too. I, I need to get to that. The layups in this game were incredible. How many layups they missed? What were they? One of 18, I think, at one point I saw on layups in the first half. I've never seen a team miss more layups. And some of them were tough, don't get me wrong. But layups that you would normally see St. John's make. And they just could not convert on any of these layups. I mean, one of 18 on layups. It was incredible. And Posh, I think, was the was the main, I guess, culprit, you could say, of that. Uh, he had a couple of those, you know, crazy spinning, you know, uh, moving moving around a lot layups where he hits those usually. I think we've become so accustomed to seeing him hit those crazy, you know, weird layups that he does. And they just were not falling tonight. A lot of putbacks were not falling for St. John's tonight. I don't have the second chance points, but I would imagine it wasn't really a lot for them. Um, yeah, and it just I've never seen a team, and I think that's why this game was a little bit closer than it probably should have been, is that St. John just couldn't convert layups, which, you know, again, again, some of them were tough, but I don't think that they'll ever have a performance like that uh, in terms of being, you know, at the basket again. So hopefully that's just a one-game thing. But Posh still did have a good game. He had 16 points, uh, came off the bench, shot 6 of 15. What I like the most, he went uh, 3 of 6 from three-point range. You know, do I want Posh taking six three-pointers a game? Probably not. You know, I, I I would probably rather have Posh shoot, you know, four three-pointers a game, let's say. But when they're going in, I'm not really going to complain. When he's shooting 50% from three-point range, I'm not going to complain. And that was really the, the main thing that we said going into the season about Posh's game is how is he going to improve as a three-point shooter? We saw him hot early to start, to start the season. Then he kind of went into a slump. Hopefully now he kind of regains that form after this pause and, uh, you know, goes three of six from three-point range tonight. And hopefully, again, that becomes a a part of his game where he can shoot somewhere in the 30s, you know, low to mid-30s from three-point range. And I just think that gives St. John's offense such a kick when Posh Alexander is hitting his three-pointers. And I thought that that was really the main, um, you know, positive that I took out of his game tonight. One more thing I want to hit on on Julian Champagny's game, by the way. I completely forgot to hit on this. The three blocks. Three blocks for him in this game. He was fantastic on the defensive end. And that was obviously the one big thing that scouts wanted Julian Champagny to improve on in his NBA stock was his defense. He brought it on the defensive end tonight. It was not just a half-court game for him. He was playing full court. He was blocking shots. Like I said, he was knocking balls out of bounds. He was engaged on the defensive end, which is something that we really haven't seen from a St. John star in a long time. 
Again, if he can turn in that type of an offensive performance to go along with the defensive performance that he can put on tonight, he's going to win Big East Player of the Year and he's going to be in the conversation for National Player of the Year because he was that good on both ends of the floor tonight. Uh, Montez Mathis had 11 points as well. Uh, shot four of seven from, from the field. Uh, good game for Montez as well. But, I mean, that's really all where all the St. John's scoring came from. What did they have? 50, 67, 78 of their 89 points came from, from uh, you know, Champagny, Wusu, Posh, and uh, Montez Mathis. But I thought that there were a lot of unsung heroes uh, in this game. I thought Aaron Wheeler played probably his best game. He had five points. He grabbed three rebounds. Probably his best game um, at St. John's. I thought Joel Soriano in 17 minutes. I don't know if it was his best game, but it was one of his best games for sure. It was a real gritty performance from him. Only scored the four points, but grabbed nine rebounds, had three assists, and had three blocks. And again, when we got Joel Soriano in here, we were not expecting him to be a you know a 17 and 12 a night guy. Four points and nine rebounds and three blocks. I'll take that. You know, maybe I want to see him score a little bit more, but I'll take that. And any day of the week from Joel Soriano that he's grabbing nine rebounds, that he's affecting shots, that he's blocking shots, and then he's you know making some some assists as well. I'll take that any day of the week for Joel Soriano. Obviously, again, the, the scoring was a little bit low, but. I'm totally okay with with that game that Joel Soriano played tonight. That's pretty much the game that you want to see him play going forward. Uh, And Omar Stanley, another guy who just continues. He only scored two points in this game, but he just continues to do things that don't show up on the box score. I love Omar Stanley's game. He, Like I said, he played 18 minutes, only had two points, grabbed three rebounds, had two steals and a block. I just, I really like his game. He just seems like a really good fit. Seems like he's going to be a really good, you know, three and four year player for St. John's hopefully it's, it's it's weird to say three and four year player because with the player movement who knows at this point but he seems like he's a really good fit for this system and he continues like I said to do these little things that maybe don't show up on the box score so great game from Omar Stanley as well but overall like I said it was not the, the prettiest game but I really have mostly positives to take out of this game for St. John's they got it done they took care of business against a DePaul team that they were a lot better than and now it's time, like I said, you just kind of hope that you're able now to earn a split. That Providence game on Saturday doesn't maybe look as intimidating as it did 48 hours ago with Providence getting smoked on the road against Marquette. Then they go on the road against UConn for a really a signature matchup uh, next uh, next Wednesday night. And then they have a home game against Georgetown. You know, if you can split these next two, all of a sudden you're looking at a potential 3 and one start to Big East play. And I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but... You know, that's kind of the type of start that you need to get off to if you're going to win 11, 12, 13 games in this conference. You know, because there is a stretch coming up later this month where you play Seton Hall twice, Villanova, and Providence. That's not going to be easy. You know, you got to take care of business against the teams that you're better than. And I thought that St. John's did that tonight, powered by Julian Champagny, but also with some unsung performances uh, and... You know, they, they, they only played eight guys and, and it ended up working out for them. But really, really impressed with the Red Storm tonight uh, overall. And now, like I said, you just hope that you can get a split in the uh, in the next two. But let's get to our to our guest for the day. We're going to be joined by CT in a moment. And uh, yeah, hope you guys enjoy. All right. I now want to welcome on our guy CT. He's come on many times before. Uh, on this podcast, and he comes on here to break down the Red Storm's win over to Paul from last night. CT, how you doing today? Hey, Troy, doing well. Thanks for having me on. Definitely, definitely. And 
We're going to talk about St. John's 89-84 win over DePaul. And I think the story of this game, and you can tell me if you think otherwise, was Julian Champagny's absolutely insane performance, 34 points, 16 rebounds. Uh, He was just unconscious all night long, it seemed like, in his first game back from obviously missing almost a month due to the COVID protocols and the pause. What did you see out of his game tonight? I just, I just think I like the uh, the aggressiveness. Um, you know, the whole game he was aggressive, looking for a shot. Um, you know, at twelve for twenty two from the field, which is really great to see. Really efficient, four of seven from three, uh, double double, sixteen rebounds, thirty four points. Um, you know, they're just they're going to need him to be aggressive. They're going to need for him to be the guy scoring all the points and and you know making an impact on the glass. Um, so it's good to see at the end, even him. You know, putting his foot on the gas and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, really just securing the win at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that you're not you're not going to see Champagne put up that type of a performance every night. That's unrealistic. But like you mentioned, if he's just the aggressive shot taker that he is, I, I think that's just so huge for them if he can be that closer, that consistent closer, and a consistent guy like you mentioned that's so aggressive because this offense is obviously going to run through him. Definitely. You know, they're just going to they're going to need for him to be you know that guy. Uh, down the stretch, I even I really liked what Musu was doing down the stretch too yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, him, him and Julian running the two man game. Um, but I think also too with Julian looking for a shot as much as he did, mm-hmm. I think that really opens up the offense for everybody else. You know, we saw you know Posh down the stretch have a couple nice baskets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Wusu had that the game ceiling three. Mm-hmm. Um, I even liked what I saw from Mathis down the stretch as well. Mm-hmm. So I just think an aggressive Julian is just really beneficial for the rest of the team and obviously that puts a lot of pressure on opposing defenses too Mm -hmm, definitely and and you know Champagne was fantastic offensively of course but on the defensive end he grabs the 16 rebounds he had 14 defensive rebounds in this game which was by far the most on the team and he had those three blocks as well you know going into the season I think everyone kind of said if he's going to improve his NBA draft stock he needs to improve on the defensive end what'd you see out of him you know on the defensive end in this game as well Definitely. I think that was a really big talking point coming into the year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when Julian went to the combine and then he returned, I think uh, one of the big weaknesses that w- that he had was his defense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, his perimeter defense, his interior defense as well. And this year, I've really seen a big jump from him on that. And that, you know, on that front, really, you know, taking the challenge of of guarding his man really well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cleaning up the glass. And I think really, you know, what we're seeing right now is he's becoming a two way player instead of just last year, who's more of an offensively dominant one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if St. John's wants to win games moving forward, they're going to need, you know, his two-way output. And I really think that he's he's showing that this year. Mm-hmm. Definitely. You're an NBA draft guy, so I'd love to hear your mm-hmm. take on, you know, Champagne in terms of his draft stock right now. You know, I'm, I'm sure that you're a little biased because you, you are a St. John's guy, but I would love to hear, you know, where do you think Champagne kind of falls right now if you were doing a, a big board? Definitely. You know, I, you know, I always want to try to keep it as uh, objective as possible, even though I'm, you know, a St. John's fan. Yep. But um, you know, I think right now we're, we're going to see Julian in that 25 to 30 range. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think right now, you know, even just seeing how efficient he is, three-point percentage, uh, his improvement on defense, I think he's even got a little more athletic mm-hmm. um, just at this year. I think he's going to be in that late first-round discussion. But um, I think right now he's solidifying himself as a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going forward, if St. John's can win – um, you know the requisite amount of games to make the the tournament, or even go for in the Big East tournament. I think he even has a chance to even move up the board a little bit. But mm-hmm. for my personal board right now, 
just objectively speaking, I'd probably have him in that 20 to 25 range. Mm-hmm, definitely. And, and like you said, if he, it's kind of, you know, a mutually beneficial relationship, right? If he plays well, St. John's is more likely to play well, and then he's more right. likely to get drafted high. So that's definitely uh, a positive there. Uh, let's yeah. talk about the the supporting cast for St. John's tonight. You mentioned Dylan Adewusu with his 17 points and eight assists. Uh, Posh Alexander had 16, Montez Mathis as well. Uh, he did foul out, but he had those 11 uh, points. What did you see out of the supporting cast tonight who did you like uh from those those three guys that were really the bulk of st john scoring uh what'd you like out of those guys sure so i just i think you know in general i think the main talking point you know obviously i was talking all the time about the team i just think that you know the main kind of point here is the supporting cast going mm-hmm. forward mm-hmm. um that's that's the big question that was a big question coming into the season as well mm-hmm. and you know more often than not this year the supporting cast has been uh, i wouldn't even say hit or miss i just think that it's kind of been more on the miss side to yeah. be honest um, you know, we're seeing Julian and Posh really spearhead the team. I think Wusu has taken a really, really nice step forward this year mm-hmm. um, as far as the defense and offense. Um, but I really like what I saw from Mathis. I think, um, you know, his defense this year has been really, really good. Um, his three-pointer has been pretty good this year as well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, moving forward, I just think St. John's has to get more production out of the other guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Soriano, I think he started tonight pretty deep. He was okay, I mm-hmm. thought. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, four points, nine rebounds. So I, I don't think they really need much from him other than him just cleaning the glass and, you know, being a factor in the paint a little bit. Um, I like I like Isaiah Nui. I think that his defense is really good. Me I think too. he can guard the perimeter a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he can even shoot a little bit if they, you know, try to involve him in the offense a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, and then hopefully Pinzon comes back because I really like what I've seen from him this year as far as being another ball handler, someone who can set up, you know, Julian and Posh and, and Wusu. And he's also a bigger guard as well. So I think they, they need – some more size and height on the perimeter moving forward. Mm-hmm, definitely. And just looking at like the rotation and the scoring output, I mean, it, it seems pretty obvious now that Champagny, uh, Posh, Wusu and Mathis are going to be your four kind of main scores on this team. Do you think that's a sustainable thing to kind of basically rely on those four guys to score a bulk of your points? I mean, those guys in this game, I believe, combined to score like 78 of their 89 points. Is that a sustainable yeah. thing or do you do you think that they need some comp, uh, some contributions from Steph Smith, Aaron Wheeler, Soriano, uh, Stanley? What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think moving forward, I think they're going to need other guys to step up and I, I don't even mean just as far as like the scoring output, yeah. mm-hmm. but as far as you know rebounding and mm-hmm. you know blocking shots and um you know setting up other guys i just think that they just need the supporting cast to be um effective on that front like mm-hmm. i don't even that's that's not even really the scoring part but yeah. i do think that you know steph smith moving forward i think they need his shooting they just need reliable shooters out there because you know i don't i think every night to assume that Julian and Posh and, and Dylan are going to, you know, have the scoring output every night in the Big East. It's unrealistic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I just think that, you know, moving forward, they need contributions for the other guys, you know, just doing the little things. Mm-hmm. No, I agree 100%. And, and like you mentioned, I mean, Joel Soriano in this game, four points, nine rebounds, but, you know, three blocks as well. Like, mm-hmm. that's a game that honestly, I mean, maybe he could score a little bit more. But from my perspective, that's basically what they want out of him. Grab a bunch of rebounds, you know, be a presence in the paint. You know, he's been very maligned this season. But I, I thought in this game, he actually kind of represented himself pretty well for what they wanted. Like, they don't need, a, a, a like I said, a 17-12 and 12 type guy from Joel Soriano. They just need him to grab rebounds and, and affect shots. And I thought he did that. Right, def- definitely. They just need... You know, they need their bigs mm-hmm. to be effective in the paint as far as rebounding, protecting the rim. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, they don't really need Soriano and the other guys to really be that high of scores. Mm-hmm. Um, just because you know, you know, the guys who are going to really um, have the emphasis to score. And that's, yeah. that's Julian. That's Posh, and that's that's Dylan. Those are the big three right there. Um, so I think if those guys can contribute in other ways, while Julian Posh and and Dylan carry the scoring, I think they'll they'll be all right moving forward. Mm-hmm, definitely. And and you and I have spoken a bunch about kind of cutting down the rotation and and, and not going 10, 11 deep tonight it, or, mm-hmm. or uh, last night. It seemed kind of not by choice. Obviously, they had uh, two guys that were out, and then Steph Smith didn't play. Um, right. You know. What like where would you see the rotation going in terms of like how many guys they would play? Do, do are you comfortable with them going to kind of in you know seven eight guy rotation? Uh, and you know who would you kind of want to see maybe cut out of that rotation uh, of the eleven guys that really play? Maybe who are the two or three that you think will probably be cut out of the rotation or that you would like to see cut out of the rotation? Definitely, I think that's a really interesting point for this year. Um, you know, as far as Big East play goes, I think Anderson has to play. I would assume nine guys total. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, we've talked about it for the past three years now of his tenure. Mm-hmm. Um, he needs to keep out either Julian or Posh at all times on the floor. Yeah, Those are your two best guys. You mm-hmm. just have to have one of them out there at all times mm-hmm. just so the bench doesn't tank when Julian's not on, on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as the rotation goes, I'm curious to hear your thoughts as well. Um, I just think that, you know, Julian, Posh, obviously the mainstays, Wusu, um, Mathis, of course, and mm-hmm. then Whichever center I feel like based on matchups, Soriano, Dewey, mm-hmm. um, and then maybe you know Pinzone I think deserves some minutes. Yeah, uh, Steph Smith. So I don't I don't really know who else would be out. Coburn would be out. Yeah, and maybe. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't think that he could play three bigs. Mm-hmm. I don't think he could play Nawi, Stanley, and Soriano. Mm-hmm. So I think one of those guys has to be cut out moving forward. But um, you know, as of right now, he's he's been pretty keen on playing three bigs. So. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see what happens with that. What do you th- What do you think about Aaron Wheeler as well? I mean, I, I actually don't think oh, he right, played right. horribly. Yeah, yeah. What do you think about him? I mean, he played thirty minutes in this game, but I, mm-hmm. I, like, do you think? Do you see him being kind of a guy who gets big minutes in Big East play, or do you see him more on the side of being cut out of the rotation? Yeah, I think he. I think he should be getting five uh, uh, minutes, maybe about ten minutes a game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually do like his defense. I like perimeter defense. And, um, you know, moving forward, I think St. John's is going to be playing a lot of wing, you know, base teams. You look at Villanova and Brandon Slater. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at Seton Hall and Jared Roden, um, Providence and A.J. Reeves. You just have a lot of those wing-type players who are pretty tall and, and lengthy. I think Wheeler fits that bill where you don't want to put Champagne on them because then that kind of tires him out. Mm-hmm. He's trying to play both ends of the floor. Mm-hmm. So if you have Wheeler out there and say, you know what, we're just going to make his, his main role be a defensive stopper, I think that's pretty beneficial. Because if you look at the rest of the roster – Julian and Wheeler are the only basically like bigger wings that they have yeah. on the team. Mm-hmm. So I just think, you know, Wheeler, I think he should be getting minutes. Uh, maybe not that many, but I feel like, you know, him contributing off the bench and then depending on the matchup, I feel like he, you know, deserves a shot in the rotation. Definitely, definitely. And, and that's another guy, Wheeler, that... You know, you don't need him to score 10 points a game. Just go out there and right. play defense. Uh, another guy like that is Omar Stanley, who I thought was really good in this game. But again, like his numbers don't really show up on the box score, Stanley. But I think he just continues to impact games in positive ways for St. John's. Uh, Nyway is the same way. Those two guys, I-, I just feel like they're doing stuff that's not really showing up on the box score, but they definitely are earning their minutes, I would say. Definitely. Yeah, I think those two guys are really versatile defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they could switch a little bit on the perimeter. Um, I don't think it should be switching as much as they do, but mm-hmm. you know I do like that they they can show that ability, mm-hmm. um, and I like that they're kind of out of the way as far as the offense goes. You know they're they're basically you know cleaning up the glass, 
um, you know, catching, you know, catching lobs for dunks. I think uh, Nui has a little more offense in this game than Stanley does, as far as the perimeter, the perimeter big. Yeah. But you know, I do, I do like what I've seen from those two guys. I'm curious to see the minute distribution going forward. Mm-hmm, definitely, and I'll get you out of here on this. I mean, you know, the next couple of games for St. John's, they go at Providence, they go at UConn. I think most St. John's fans would just be thrilled with the split out of uh, those two. But you know, looking big picture in this conference right now, obviously, I think expectations were maybe a little bit uh, down after losing to Pittsburgh to close out uh, non-conference play and really finishing non-conference play without a really signature win. Uh, I'm curious your thoughts on where St. John's fits in the hierarchy of the Big East right now. Do you still have those high expectations for them, or do you kind of think they're going to be more towards the the bottom end of the Big East, maybe you know the bottom three or four? Um, I don't I don't think they're going to be a bottom team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they have too much talent mm-hmm. to really bottom out like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, the one thing that I really like about this team is they probably more often than not have the best player on the floor at all mm-hmm. times. Yeah, um, I think that goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Just having the best guy on the floor. Um, I think moving forward, they have some winnable games. Like Providence is really good, but if St. John's can go in there and get a win, I think that automatically rejuvenates the season a little bit. Um, I just think taking it one game at a time is going to be really good for them. Um, and they have the opportunities here. They have a lot of games moving forward. Luckily, the Big East is really good this year, mm-hmm. so I think they have their you know their fair share here to really um, kind of make an imprint going forward in the conference. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, luckily with some guys coming back, I really feel like that they can kind of take off now too. So, um, you know, I'm interested to see how the rotation shakes out and interested to see how the rest of the team does moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to your point, I mean, you know, with Julian and Posh, I think in some games they might have the best two players on the, on the floor, honestly. So, sure. you know, the supporting cast definitely needs to step up a little bit. But, yeah, when you've got those two guys uh, on the court, I think that, you know, that gives you a fair shot in pretty much every game that you're going to play, even against the Villanovas and the Providence, like you mentioned. Definitely. And we're seeing teams, too, you know, like Villanova lost to Creighton the other yeah. day. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that the, you know, it's, it's even tough, too, with the COVID protocols that St. John's going to play for basically, what, two weeks mm-hmm. and two weeks and change. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they came out with a win last night, which was which was pretty good. I was kind of surprised even that they played as well as they did. Yeah. Um, so, you know, teams coming off of pauses and, and, you know, what have you, I think that um, it's just tough moving forward without, you know, them playing a lot. Mm-hmm. But, I think the Big East is wide open this year. I think that they have a chance to really, um, you know, win some games, and, and we'll see how they do. Mm-hmm, absolutely, it's going to be very fun to see how it shakes out in this conference and see uh, where St. John's lands. CT, thank you, my man, for coming on. I always appreciate having you come on and break down these games, and we will definitely be talking to you before the season ends. Thank you, Troy. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Sounds good. All right. Have a good rest of your day. Thank you too. All right. Bye. All right. Thank you once again to CT for coming on and breaking down the Red Storm's 89 to 84 win over DePaul on Wednesday night. CT always does a great job. We're always happy uh, to have him on. If you are St. John's better as well, just to wrap up the show, I, I apologize for your for your bad beat, I guess, last night. Although it wasn't really a bad beat. The game was pretty close the entire way through. But uh, yeah, I'm sure if you had St. John's minus five and a half, you were not happy with that last missed free throw for Julian Champagny. And you're probably a little bit upset that his free throw woes continued uh, into this game because... He hits that final free throw, and uh, you're making some money. So my apologies to the St. John's five-and-a-half betters. Although, were you really on the right side? I don't know about that. The game was pretty close the entire way. So still, 
I know I've been there before. I extend my apologies to the, to those who uh, who did have St. John's in the, in the losing effort against the spread on uh, on Wednesday night. But thank you all for listening. Uh, I will be back on Wednesday night for the recap against UConn. The Red Storm play Providence over the weekend. Probably won't have a show up for that one, but I will probably have a show on Wednesday night against UConn. Um, so be on the lookout for that. Should be out really right after the game. It is a late game, so we'll see. You know how soon it gets posted. Probably, but we. We'll be ready for the following morning. I'll say that. So definitely be on the lookout for that. Uh, And thank you all for listening. Thank you, everyone, for your patience. If you were looking for this on Wednesday night or Thursday morning, my apologies once again. But hopefully this isn't a thing all season. Hopefully this is just a one-time thing where it comes out a little bit later than I would have liked. But anyways, thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope everyone is staying safe, staying healthy, um, staying sane out there. And yeah, hopefully we are, you know, past the worst of this now. Hopefully we have no more games canceled. Hopefully we have no... No more three-week breaks without St. John's basketball, without this podcast, because I was having some withdrawals uh, without this podcast. So hopefully uh, we are back to a relatively normal season now for St. John's, or if not right now, hopefully in the next couple of weeks we get back to that normalcy that we felt earlier in the season. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Be back next week with a St. John's and UConn recap. And as always, let's go, Johnnies.